find in uh, churches in uh, Germany the 100 barrier. Now, when I say this 100 barrier, it actually varies, but the characteristics are often the same. In Japan, the 100 barrier is often the 50 barrier, and it can sometimes go as high as 200. But there are there are s- similarities in terms of the size of the church. It's it's kind of not quite big enough to be able to be a big church, but it's not quite a small church either. Some people call this the awkward st- size of church. Now, there's there's similar struggles that happen in the church of this size. I often find five struggles. One is a loss of social intimacy. That as a church begins to move toward the hundred barrier, it's it's harder to know everybody. You don't feel as close as you used to feel. It's harder for newcomers to come in and break into the core of the church. A second characteristic that's sometimes found is a loss of pastoral care. Uh, certain needs and certain people are overlooked. In the States, we say they fall through the cracks. I don't know if that's an expression that makes any sense here. Number three, there's the challenge of new leadership Drittens sometimes found. That the traditions of the church start getting challenged as new people come in that might have a different perspective or different ideas. A fourth is leadership overload or neglect. That key leaders feel like they're working too hard and that their needs are not being met. This often happens because they don't want to expand the leadership base so they take on more and more responsibilities on themselves. Number five characteristic is sometimes found is a maintenance focus rather than an outreach focus. There's a strong desire to maintain quality. We don't need to grow anymore. We just need to grow better. And sometimes the church becomes comfortable and kind of says, "Let's. we've sort of now made it to this point. Let's just enjoy and be a part of the family together. The result is that the church that gets into a plateau and the growth pattern might grow a little bit one year and then it falls back down the next and then grow a little bit and then fall back so, so, down. Uh, based upon that, those uh, descriptions, how many of you say that you would have in your church at least um, at least two of those issues? How many would say they'd have um, three or more of those issues? How many would say they don't have any of those issues? I was just going to invite you to come up and lead the class is what I was going to do. There are similarities also in terms of the solutions. Let's uh, take a look at some of those issues by moving to the next point. What are the pastoral issues and action steps that can, can be done? And I'm using pastor in the sense of pastor as well as key leaders. The first is to examine your motive. Why do you really want to break the 100 barrier? What is your motivation? Is it that you want uh, greater prestige? More people just so you feel more important? Uh, get more people so it's easier for you? Or is your motive to make disciples out of people that are not yet Christians? The Part of the issue is, is that, that the motivations for breaking the 100 barrier need to be pure. And it starts with compassion for people without Christ. And that type of burden is cultivated in prayer. And as God cultivates that kind of heart within you, then it must be followed up with action. The second is to intensify your prayer personal prayer that asks God to change us and to create within us His heart and beginning to pray for those things that concern the heart of God. Corporate prayer as well within the church 
to beginning to start praying for people by name even that need Christ. Asking God to really cultivate a burden. And this kind of prayer needs to be consistent and intense and patient. Because Jesus said he will build his church. And that kind of consistent prayer will need to be followed up with some actions. Third, increase your faith. Read passages in the Bible that talk about faith. Read and reflect upon the mighty works of God in the Scripture. Read in church history examples of people with great faith. Ask God to increase your faith. Because we have a big God, and uh, He is the one in whom we put our trust. If it depended upon our own resources to get the job done, it would be futile. So ask God to increase your faith. And that realize with increased faith needs to be taking action, which means taking some risk. Number four is overcome your personal barriers or blockages. One of those barriers is a very common one, and I've been running into it here uh, quite a bit in this conference. One of the barriers that, that, that leaders often face is a willingness to lead, a willingness to take responsibility, a willingness to take initiative to work alongside. I talk to some pastors in every country that I go to where they talk like victims. I can't do anything. They won't let me. I am helpless. I am totally powerless. And sometimes I want to ask them, why are you in the ministry? Is God helpless? Is God powerless? Is God able to do stuff? Are you placed in this position? Has God called you here? What does God want you to do to help provide leadership? You understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being a dictator or anything like that. I'm talking about somebody that's, that's with the people and saying, let's begin to pursue what it is God wants us to do. A leader can lead through asking questions and begin to guiding a process of seeking out what God would want. Some of you are going to be unable to help your churches to grow because you may be unwilling to assume the responsibility of being a leader. Because if you're a leader, not everybody's going to like you. If you have a strong desire to be liked by everybody, then you won't be a leader. If God wants to use you, you're going to have to be willing to, to, to say, this is where I believe God wants us to go, and are you willing to start coming with me? Now you say that after you've gone through a very careful process of, of, of sharing vision and sharing values and other kinds of things, which may take a long time. A second key reason, or second key blockage that many pastors face is that, that they want to do the ministry themselves personally as opposed to coaching and empowering others to do it. The, the issue of being a shepherd versus being a coach. The point is that you get the shepherding needs met, but the pastor of the church under 100, you know, plus or minus 50, okay, generally is the one that does most of the personal shepherding and care. Or the elders help the pastor along with that process. But if churches are going to grow beyond that, the pastors need to take more seriously, and the leaders need to take more seriously, the, the spiritual job description found in Ephesians 4. I would suggest to you that, that when God evaluates the pastor and the, and the elder is that the God will not be so much concerned about saying, what did you do personally, but what did you do to equip others to do ministry? I, I began to wonder one time, what kind of evaluation process is God going to use when we see him? 
And then I began to wonder in my craziness, would God be culturally appropriate or relevant when he does this evaluation process? And I was thinking, for an American pastor, if God were to do it in, a, in an American cultural way, there would be some sort of form to fill out in triplicate. And one of the questions on this questionnaire would be, tell me what you have done to empower and equip and release others to do the ministry. That is the issue of, of making the transition to become a coach and to help others to learn how to coach. Do you know what I've discovered that's true in min, many pastors? Is they have a need to be needed. And they sometimes create dependencies. And they complain about how overworked they are. But deep down they feel good about themselves because they're so important and so much in demand. So sometimes the problem is in the people and sometimes the problem is in the pastor and sometimes the problem is in both of them. If a church is going to break past the growth barrier, it often starts with the pastor. Now, why doesn't it happen? Let me, let me uh, suggest there are four primary reasons where it doesn't happen. These are extra notes. I want to give you some extra. Number one, number one, why, why churches don't break it? Number one is the unwillingness to change. And that unwillingness to change often starts with the pastors and the key leaders. A second reason it doesn't happen is the attractiveness of the status quo or the absence of sufficient discontent that motivates people to want to change. The, one of the foundational keys is there has to be a dissatisfaction with what is that provides a motivation to think about what could be. A third reason is the reluctance to pay the price of growth. And I'm not just talking about financial price. I'm talking about other costs. And the fourth, and perhaps even most significant, is the lack of visionary, initiating leadership. 